0: hello and welcome to the writers and illustrators of the future podcast this is john goodwin your host this podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer and artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field if you've been listening to this podcast or are new to it i thank you very much i would also appreciate it if you took a moment to follow on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast i also have to let you know that our latest volume of Elwyn Hubbard Presents Writers of the Future featuring the winners I'm about to interview is now available in bookstores throughout the U.S., Canada, the U.K., South Africa, and Australia, as well as through all major online retailers. We are currently at the last night of the Writers of the Future, Illustrators of the Future workshop and awards week. And today we had a four and a half hour long seminar on how to promote yourself, and we're culminating in a podcast interview with all the winners, and so right now I'm very happy to be chatting with three writer winners, plus one more we're expecting shortly. So let's get started. Each
1: one, please give me your name and the story you wrote. I'm David Hankins, and I wrote Death and the Taxman.
2: I'm Spencer Seculin, and I wrote The Children of
0: Desolation. And I'm TJ Knight, and I wrote The Fall of Crodendra M., all right, so three totally amazingly different stories, <laughs> each to be found in the Rise of Future Volume Thirty Nine. Mm-hmm. And I'm always, every year, I'm just amazed at. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, you know. So you got science fiction, you got fantasy, and you've obviously got the various subgenres. But with that many years, that many stories that have, that have crossed my eyes, you know, reading this. It's amazing how they're always so unique, so different. And I know that's one of the criteria for actually winning the contest, is that you are that. You are able to create something totally fresh on existing tropes, or rarely someone come up with a new one, but you could read steampunk half a dozen years before steampunk became a genre that people were like interested in. So what you guys are writing out too is going to be, you know what people will be reading half a dozen years from now as you move up the ranks as established authors. So how did you come up with your idea and describe a little about your story?
1: So Death and the Tax Man is, uh, it's about the Grim Reaper who is trapped in an IRS agent's dying body and he has to figure out how to regain his powers before he faces judgment for his original sin. And so the idea actually came about uh, not long after the passing of the previous coordinating judge, Dave Farland. uh, And there was a lot of, rightfully so, sorrow at at his passing. And we were looking at how people cope with death um, because it's, you know, Death is a natural part of life. No, you know, it's the sure. one thing that no one escapes. But what if someone did? And so that's what I looked at. I looked at, you know, what if someone did actually manage to cheat death? How would that look? And because I tend to write in humor, it it turned into a this you know rip roaring comedy adventure uh, that is Death and the Tax Man.
0: Absolutely, and it's just it's very effective. Humorous sci-fi, and which is Jody's specialty. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is Spencer
2: Zekulin. Um, My story, Children of Desolation, it's more of a, unlike, unlike um, Mr. Hankins here, not so much on the humorous side. Uh, <laughs> no, <this is> <laughs> hardly <laughs> not. Not quite, yeah. Okay, so, so this is more of a post-apocalyptic fantasy story. So, it's set in an, a post-apocalyptic South Africa, uh, Tumelo, Alaska is the main character. And he's one of the last train operators in the ruins of humanity in that location. And he's in a bit, of a bit of a fix, as it were. His wife is dying. He's buried in debt to some very corrupt individuals. And he's trying to figure out just how to stay afloat. So this whole story, as it were, is basically his journey trying to achieve that yearning, but through an unexpected way. And that all kind of starts when a unlikely clients enlisted services to take her to basically the heart of the apocalyptic desolation in South Africa there. It really started as a, as a story title. I didn't actually know what to write for it. I just thought, huh, the children of desolation sounds like a cool story title.
1: That is a cool story. I know. I,
2: so, so I did that and I just left it in a blank word document for a few years. And I think it was summer of 2019 Yeah, like it was September of 2019 that I just sat down. There was some good music that was really turning my creative gears at the time. And things just started coming together for that one. It wasn't really premeditated. I just thought, okay, South Africa, trains, you know, that kind of fallout post apocalyptic setting but with a bit of a magical bend, right? Because the, the lines I between- guess.
0: Was it Rush music you were listening to?
2: No, no, it was actually, it was soundtrack music. <laughs> okay. It was it was some soundtrack music. All right, good, I just, always... just
0: checking. Canadian, I was always wondering no, if you No, no, like... no, I can't, okay. I
2: can't write to that, no, right. unfortunately. No, it's mainly instrumentals and atmospheric stuff I listen to. Yeah, okay. But, um, but anyway, so that just started to form. And then for me, blending science fiction and fantasy tends to happen where, okay, what's the line between the two, right? Mm-hmm. Because- For some people, magic is magic, but if you understand how it works, it's science. So I didn't even know how to classify the story initially. Like, is this science fiction? Is this fantasy? But with how it turned out, it's more of a post-apocalyptic fantasy. But um, I had a lot of fun writing it, but it was as much a surprise to me as to anyone
0: else. Yeah. One thing was about your story is just the sense of humanity. I mean, there's some seriously nasty folks in there. Mm Mm-hmm what he guys to do to save his wife and the the blind girl there just you know the sense of humanity really shines even despite all that nastiness and the and the just bluff of people you know that's just the people that own that and the excising the taxes and okay you've got you know you paid for 10 minutes you know mm-hmm. it's going to cost you some more to get another year Yeah gonna, yeah you know it's like man that's rough
2: mm-hmm. but Again, with the with the heart of that story, right? I I always like to write things where people are overcoming tremendous odds. They're really in tune with what it means to be human and be that forgiveness, be that love, be that courage and strength, contending against what's also in us, which is evil, right? Right. We all have uh, I forget who said it, right? But the law the, the line between good and evil cuts through the heart of every single man, you know, every single human, right? Right. So we all have that capacity. So. I always like to play with those themes, I guess, with, with my fiction.
3: Good. Well, that's, that's a good theme. All right. All right. Uh, I'm TJ Knight, and I wrote The Fall of Krodendra M. And the idea came from sleeplessness when my son was very young, and my mind was in another plane. And so the word Chorodendra just popped into my head without meaning. And so I... I like. Spencer, yeah, I was wondering, that.
0: what's that word?
3: Yeah, it's just, I was half asleep and I was half on a rug on the living room floor and half on the wooden living room floor and just in a weird place, I suppose, and half asleep and the word just popped into my head. So I stood up and I wrote it down on a piece of paper and that was all I had and I looked at the word and everything built around that, the idea of the telescopes uh, that can see onto other planets and I figured someday that's going to happen. And I wrote this story 11 or 12 years ago and I'm shocked that it's that it hasn't, at least that I know of, been out there yet. So in the future, we have telescopes that are so strong that we can see all the way down to other planets and we can watch their sports and we can watch their construction or their cities or whatever it is that we might find entertaining or or giant animals that rip each other apart. This is great. This is high ratings. And so to answer exactly what the story is about, I actually like that question because there's a lot of different answers But the number one answer for me is showing up and showing up, meaning that for a loved one or for a celebration. So when I was, um, my family, my wife's family, whenever anyone gets sick or, or anything, they all show up They're They're like bees. And so (laughs) in, in the story, the, the main character, he didn't show up when his brother wasn't, was on the way down so he he's on the way down and out, and he had excuses and so he didn't show up and it didn't it bothered him to a point, but he had his life to live, and so he was doing that, and that's kind of how we can get we can get so focused on what we're doing and our drive and our ambitions and so the opportunity or the unfortunate opportunity comes up again, and he's forced to face forced to face that, and this time he's gonna show up, and the situation is that. It's an alien boy on an alien planet trillions of miles away through a wormhole. And now is when he decides, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to make this mistake again. So if you look at the art, the brilliant art, you'll see something is going on. And so that's the culmination of his guilt and, an, and a rare opportunity to, to do something, to show up. So finally, the main character shows up. So that's the lesson, the theme. The lesson is I hope somebody out there is touched by the story and says, you know what? I am going to show up next time someone says, Hey, can you come over? I need your help
0: or anything similar. That's, that's a really good message on that one there. So your winners in year 39, what's the importance that you see for writers of the future, both to yourself and to the future science fiction and fantasy?
1: Uh, for me, Writers of the Future is what brought me from being an enthusiastic amateur to being a published professional. Uh, so I, the resources that Writers of the Future provides are amazing and uh, free to use for whoever, whatever writer wants to use them. So I've been uh, on the Writers of the Future forum for a couple of years now, you know, using all the resources and the people that have built this community that just wants to help um and so people swap critiques and everything and you know uh learning lessons on how to improve uh our our writing and then there's the uh online uh writing course that you guys have that uh was my first introduction to short stories i'd written a couple of novels that went absolutely nowhere and i now know that they're absolutely horribly written um but and so I was looking for something to uh, learn the art and craft of writing, and that uh, really it it was like light bulbs popping up in my head, uh, or hopefully over my head. Um, and so yeah, that all of that, the you know I started listening to the podcast and just learning from experts in the field. And so all of that has been this uplifting experience of helping. And so that's really what Writers of the Future means to me is it's helping writers become more, providing all the resources. They're all out there. All you have to do is use them and write. Great. You're
2: on. So again, a lot of what Mr. Hankins there said resonates with me as well. But for me, the Writers of the Future contest, it really represented, I would say, a a message, firstly, from a personal level, the message that you know, I can write, you know, it was, it's for the longest time, it's been a hobby, something I enjoyed doing. And like some other people here, I started writing, writing really long fiction. And I wrote a few things, novel length that weren't so good, and then realized maybe some short stories would be a fun idea. So I started doing that. And then just by a random Google search came across this contest and then realized, wow, this kind of thing exists. So I started submitting to that and took the courses there and it really taught me a lot of things I realized I was lacking. And then the whole process of showing up again and again and submitting again and again and getting some validation too, from that, like the honorable mentions, the silver honorable mentioned, you know, kept me going as it were, because rejection's is rough when you're new.
1: Rejection is very yeah. rough.
2: Yeah. When you're, when you're new to it, like when you're, when you're a veteran, you kind of get used to it a bit, it still hurts, but when you're new, you know, yep. it's just, it stings a lot more. So, so anyway, so that validation was, was very helpful. And then the courses and like, especially by David Farland, the courses he provided and all that really helped me write better short stories. And, and all of that felt like, again, support coming from the outside. Right. So this contest is almost like a, it is a contest. It's very competitive, you know, many, many people compete for those, the, the, you know, for the, for the win, but at the same time, how it's structured and how it's run, it's a, a support network, frankly like a pseudo support network as it were right where on the forums or you know through the feedback you might get that we now give out you give out feedback with some rejections too or uh, honorable mentions um but it just helps writers that aren't familiar with the craft or who are just getting into it to go from being hobbyists to being on a professional level which is again what happened in our case here and in my mm-hmm. case so it was really a, a support network and a a growth experience and that sense of community you get from the contest too, from your fellow authors from the forums from the judges and of course during this whole week here right mm-hmm. that sense of of family and community which is very uncommon i would say with writers because with writing you're on your own you write in your closet or wherever you write <laughs> for, at least for me it felt like i was writing in a closet so to create a sense of community where you're not alone in it and you're with other people that understand you and have all been through what you've been through like that Opens the world up, and it makes it so much better, and helps creativity flow so much better as well. Because you realize you can write, you can get better at writing, and you're not alone in that process. So that means a lot to me.
0: Good, thank you. And TJ,
3: yes. Uh, Well, first, what it means to me, I'm I'm a super fan. I am literally a super fan of the of the contest. Uh, As a reader first, and then as a writer, and as both. So I've been giving people trivia. All week, and I've been supplying answers or even anecdotes. I, I've got it all, uh, so that's 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 one side of it, my my personal side, I suppose. But um, the training that we receive it's it, it, it's a free training course on how to write. And whether you go to the online class, or you go to the forums, or you read the books, and you say, "I want to get better. I want to submit, and I want to win." You're training yourself, just like any athlete uh, or, or, or college student. This is, it, it is, it, ultimately it's a master's class because I pretty much just wrote for this contest for the past 12 years. I mean, I would submit other places, but I wanted to r- learn how to write a story that would win here. And to win here is incredibly difficult and challenging. And I said, that's what I want. And so I'm taking a master's class on my own, at my own pace, and yet you know, took a little longer than some other folks, but I got there. And so pace yourself, do, do it your way, and you could be up here as well. And I also got a lot of friendship over the years from the from the online forums. This is my social network. I, I work from home, and I have one employee that works part-time. So for me, I having the community online of other people building friendships that go outside the forum. We email each other. We we visit uh, from time to time. I get phone calls from a truck driver, and he's, I'm in Canada. I'm in Florida. He just calls me, and, and I met him on the forums. So that that's a, a lot of fun. So now I have the win, and I have new friends that I've met face-to-face, and, and a gorgeous image that Chris Arias drew, and uh, everything is just tremendous.
0: That's great. So now... Um Obviously, this contest was created by L. Ron Hubbard in 1983. So are any of you familiar with, with
1: any of L. Ron Hubbard's works? Yes, I've been uh, working my way through Battlefield Earth. Uh, I didn't realize at the time when I got a, quite how heavy of a tome it was, <laughs> so I'm about 20% of the way through it. But yeah, I've been reading that and, as well as uh, reading the short stories that the contest publishes in the different anthologies. And... Um, I, I really enjoy the uh, the witty style that he has, um, uh, 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 like especially the short stories and the anthologies. Okay, good. Anybody else read anything?
2: Um, I listened. I listened to the. Again, I do a lot of commuting, long distances, so I had the pleasure of listening to his book, Fear in mm, audio, yeah. audiobook format which is very well performed as well so congratulations to the Thank you. the people yeah. who voiced that but um so it, for for that book for example it was very i found it very visceral very you know provoking right because mm-hmm. it was more of a on the
0: horror side of things sure. right very psychological um and even though it's i was thought, actually started that was the, that was the granddaddy of that genre of psychological thrillers was it i didn't yeah. know that
2: so I can see why it was the yeah. started it then. Cause because it was it wasn't like anything else I wasn't like anything else I'd listened to before, right, or or read before, right? right? I don't usually read horror, but I really enjoyed that. And it um it surprised me with the the kind of reactions it could get out of me, you know? Because even though he's writing this out of, you know, many decades out of flux with me, right? Because many generations, right? It still felt it still hit me as uh, something I might read today that was written today, so but I really enjoyed did it did you guess the ending? um no, actually, I wasn't thinking that no no I, it, was, it, it totally was a good got ending
0: me from, yeah, it was a definitely good ending as um someone else in my in an earlier interview said, How's he going to stick the landing on this one here And he said I guess and I was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, he totally stuck the landing on that one yeah it was,
2: it was good it was yeah. a, it was a very very good
0: ending Good. have you read any of Yes, I would definitely. think so. Yeah. <laughs> 12 years in the making here.
3: Yes, I read Battlefield Earth when I was 20 over an entire summer while sitting outside sunning myself on the roof of my house. Well, my rented house at the time. So I just had my 30th or my 30th anniversary of Battlefield Earth readings coming up. So I was thinking of listening to the audiobook or, or getting out, the, uh, finding a chair, parking it on the roof, and doing it again. So I'm. So you I'm, know we have the unabridged audiobook, right? Yes. Oh, Joni was telling me about that as as part of the tour here, and she what did she say? There were 150 thousand individual sound effects.
0: There you go. For the
3: oh. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy. Wow! I just got handed the data chip for the entire audiobook. That is unreal. Thank you. So she was saying uh, how many voice actors there were uh,
0: almost 100 or over well, 67 actors okay over 150,000 sound effects 42 and a half hours long wow yes. so yes this, unabridged. Is, this just... is my
3: 30th anniversary present thank you yeah. and uh, and his essays and that's the thing it's like I was saying about being a master class those essays are part of that class and and every one of them will teach you something and or something different unique or give you a different way of thinking about something like the essay on art just changed the way I, I perceive certain things. It, it just was amazing. I loved it.
0: Good, good. So now on this past week, so you've had, you know, your jaws unhinged, a fire hose stuck in the middle of, you know, between your teeth yep. wedged in there. So for your, like, what's been the most memorable, part? I don't even know if that's the right descriptive on it, but what's been for you the, the the biggest part that you know you're able to, to take back with you uh,
1: for me it was the uh, the breadth of instruction that we got from a wide range of uh, professionals in the industry um, the most of the instruction was by Jody Lynn Nye and Tim Powers and they just between those two they didn't agree on all the things that they were talking about. Beginning with the f- opening statement, I yes. don't like conventions. I like conventions. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so, the just hearing the all of the different opinions and ways of defining success and ways of achieving success in this industry uh, was very eye opening uh, for me. Uh, I especially appreciated Dean Wesley Smith when he came in and he was talking about the history of publishing and how uh you know publishing goes through cycles and right now we're in the middle of a cycle you know not really sure what's, what it's going to look like at the end of this with you know, indie publishing on the rise and uh and so that kind of information has really helped me as I want to become a professional author in order to turn this knowledge into a career uh and so we got a lot of information you know a smorgasbord of things that you can pick out uh the ones that work for you and uh, move out good good you're on
2: so the the whole workshop week for me again a lot of things stood out and a lot of things are what i'm taking away from this but i'd say that's the thing about it it's the variety of viewpoints And Mr. Sawyer, uh, Rob Sawyer, put it very well when he talked to us in the class about, you know, there's no one thing to do, right? You you take what you like, you take the tools that you're given that work for you and let the others be. There's no one perfect way to write or to be a writer. There's a variety of tools that work and there's a a variety of things that have been successful for these other authors who are here with us. Mm -hmm. But what works for you might be different. And realizing it's not a, a, for, a, a set formula, but almost like crafting a balance and a way of living that works for you and your creative process and whatever your unique goals are for being a writer. So I really liked that. And I, I liked the, the breadth of knowledge, as we were saying, the variety of lessons. Some of them are contradictory, which is great because that's yeah. proving the point is there's plenty of ways to do it, you that's know? Right. But um, so there's that. You know, but besides all the lessons, besides all the learning and that invaluable information, it was just the whole process of coming here and meeting so many outstanding world class authors and artists, and especially meeting all these wonderful writers who also won alongside me. So just creating a sense of community, dare I say almost family, you know. Well, you're gonna
0: find <laughs> that to be the case. I've got interviews I've done with winners going all the way back to well Volume one, because there you got Dean Wesley Smith and Nina, and every year I talk to somebody are you still in, in communication with your fellow winners? Oh yeah, you've got a a family you know you got the broader family of writers of the future, and us at the at the contest will always have your back i mean just just know that, but you'll find that the relationships you created here will survive whatever distances whatever travesties that may happen because you've you know like you said you dare say well I'll I'll overtly say yes it is family and you know you've gone through this boot camp but you've you know you're all coming into this thing and many some of the years have so many new york times best selling authors come out of it you know they're just it's just this is this is an exceptional year this year um The event last night was just like, I think I mentioned in this earlier thing today, like the, I mean, reporters are just like characteristically just bland. Like, yeah, whatever. Okay, good. Okay, what's what's the story? Okay, I'll take the next one. But the guy from Vietnam, when Dal V was announced as a winner, started crying in the audience, you know, because it was that emotional and realizing what it means for his country, you know, for artists in this country, the, the, uh, it's just, we get that so much. We have the, all the different media that came. There's, they're just, they, some of them come back again and again and again because they just love this event. In the heart of Hollywood, which is the plastic and fake, you know, incarnate, you've got this, this show here. Nancy Cartwright, who was one of the presenters, she's the voice of Bart Simpson. She's been to every type of award show. She's won any, every, she hasn't won an Oscar, but she's won multiple Emmys. And uh, this is her favorite event because she loves listening to you. I watched her. She's just sitting there just like this big <laughs> smile. Each one of you come up. She's just like, and she's clapping with each one of you. It's just, that's the effect that you create. That's, that's what this contest creates. So anyway, so thank you for that. So TJ. She was
3: one of our teachers during the week as well. She Is a writer, Uh and she came in and gave us some great writerly advice. So that was really fun. Uh, What the week, what this week has meant to me was uh, interestingly, it was almost as if it was its own story. So we got here, and the the pace of our arriving to the hotel, and then we had a class or two. Then we had our 24-hour story. Then we met again with Tim and Jody. Then we met with a guest, then we met with another guest, and we met with another guest, and then we had the gala, which was just the the climax of the entire story, and now here we are in our denouement, changed and having learned something. So this week itself was a story, and I went along for the ride. I was the character this week, and I've written so many stories about so many characters, and now I have even more information to say, I know what that feels like. I was the character, and and... Forever, I'm going to be in my character's shoes, no matter what they're doing, because I can draw on any one of the so many experiences from this week and say, that's how that felt. That's how that felt. So I, I, it, the week itself was, was really life-changing for me, and I, and I can't wait to get home and write, because I, I'm ready to go. And, and yeah, I'm going to hit, that, hit mm-hmm. that
0: computer, and my keyboard is going to sizzle. That's awesome. Okay, we're at the halfway mark here, and we just had entrance stage left, Sam Parr. He came all the way from UK to talk to us in this last half hour, so welcome, Sam.
4: Hello, John, and welcome to everyone. Nice to be here. All right, so just real
0: quick to catch you up with everybody else, tell me about your story and what it's about.
4: My story is The Last History. So if you imagine centuries ago in ancient imperial China, there used to be a grand exam for the civil service where students would have to go and sometimes take an exam for five days or more straight to see if they could get in. In my story, what I've done is reimagine this, but with magic and with a talking frog and make it into a battle royale. Into this, I throw an old lady, quiet gate, who's done the exam quite a few times, but has nothing to lose and see how she gets on in the grand Finale of her life,
0: and your story was so inspirational that the artist Dalvi was a grand prize winner illustrating the final scene from your uh, from your story. Just awesome, just a great story. Again, like I mentioned to these other gentlemen, I'm just always amazed at how the creativity you know with these different ideas. And yours is you know epic fantasy in a in a, sh- in a small box, you know what you've been able to create in that just your techniques of of having you create a sense of time by your your short scenes that goes on and on and all of a sudden you read it like you feel like you've read a novel after reading that short story the way you've done it which was which was quite brilliant that was you know well done to you on that so you've all won
1: the contest so how many times did you enter before you won? I entered five times. So for, I found the contest through Google, uh, just like Spencer did. And um, I, yeah, I entered that first one, got an honorable mention. Uh, then my next one was a, uh, another honorable. Then I got a silver. Then back down to an honorable. Then I won.
4: Good. And yourself, Sam? So I entered six times over six years. So I guess that averages out at one time a year. Each time I was submitting my best story. So I was a very slow writer. I was really sharpening my stories as much as I could before I could submit them. Hence why it took me a year between each one. And first time I submitted and didn't get uh, through to an honourable mention. But the second time I got an honourable mention and that gave me a lot of encouragement that there was something in this and I could develop for the future. Awesome. Okay, Spencer.
2: So I, th- I think I entered between six and seven times. I'd have to go back and check, but I've been doing that since I think 2017, 2018 was when I first started entering it. And like Sam, um, the first honorable mention was a big help, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, showing me that maybe I can make something that's worth other people's time to read. Right. Right. Because again, you give time like to read something. Right. So just being worthy of that. And so anyway, that was very encouraging. And I got, I think two honorable, two silver honorable mentions, a few honorable mentions, two rejections. And then again, for volume 39, that's second place in the first quarter. So it's
0: been quite a ride. Awesome. All right, so you ran out of fingers on your hands there, but let's go ahead and I TJ. I, I had to count on my fingers. Uh, I had to count on my fingers
3: several times. So how many times did I did I enter? How many times did I enter the story that I won with? It might be the real question. Um, if you Heinlein says sub, write, submit, forget. So I had to disagree because, as I stated earlier, I'm I'm in the middle of a master's class, so I'm doing it my way. And one of my ways was to edit a story. If I wanted to edit a story, uh, edit it again. If I wanted to edit it again, and I could keep going. So 32 is the answer, and (laughs) 32 times. So uh, I know that's not the record, Uh, but it's a long time. And the thing is that... 12 years. 12 years. uh, Here and there. I missed a few quarters here and there, and uh, I think I've got 23, 25 certificates, and I will... uh, say for a moment that part of the enjoyment of writing for writers of the future is the certificates is even though a story might get a rejection, you still get a certificate. They still say, here's, here's this encouragement. Here's the level that this story is at because a semi-finalist silver honorable mention, they're saying, you're really getting close. And so over and over again, I would get them and then say, okay, you're really close. You're really close. So, the process of writing, the process of submitting, and I enjoy this. I enjoy the process. So I'm sitting at my computer and I'm either editing an old story or I'm coming up with a new one. And so I enjoy all doing all those things. So when I say 32, it's like, oh man, how did you do that? How did you last so long? It wasn't a problem. I, I, it was fun to do. And uh, I'm glad to have won. Don't get me wrong. But it, it could have come at any time. It, it, it happened to come this this time around, uh, but otherwise, 32.
4: Awesome, thanks. Yeah, and I think just going off what Dustin said was a big lesson I had, which is the joy is actually in the journey, not the destination in many ways. And actually something that I found was that Writers of the Future is a very prestigious contest and to get an honorable mention there is still a high mark of praise. And so my honorable mentions... Often found homes in magazines or in websites. They were good enough for there. They just weren't quite ready for Writers of the Future standard yet. So it, even if you're not getting to be a winner, that doesn't mean that you still can't be publishing your stories at some level just as you're starting out. Yeah, uh, Dave Franlin would say, silver, gold, mention, finalists—they're all
0: publishable. Otherwise, you know, they just whatever it is about Writers of the Future. And like Orson Scott Card said, you know, all, when he had the Intergalactic Medicine show, said, yeah, we got what Writers of the Future rejected. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I'd like to add also
3: that uh, one of the things about the Writers of the Future as a science fiction and fantasy market is, we, we talked about this during the class too, that there are stories that sometimes are truly not a fit for this story, perhaps a horror story. Right, And so they said it could be the most brilliant horror story, Stephen King-level horror, and it won't get picked up here because that's not what Writers of the Future publishes. So even a straight rejection, even if they say, we're sorry, we don't want this story, we didn't give it a certificate, we didn't read it, perhaps it's just not for this market. And I've heard people on the forum, they say, I sent my rejection without changing a word to a pro-level market, and they picked it up. It's like, why did they do that? Well, because it was for that market. That's right. And so this market is just, it is a different market. Study the market, pick up the old books, read them, and you will know
0: what what they're looking for and, and go for it. Absolutely. So now this is Writers of the Future. People that participate are aspiring writers. They want to um, obviously achieve where you guys have, a, have now arrived. And so what I'm interested in maybe you're sharing is, what have you learned since having won the contest that you wish you would have known before that would have saved you considerable grief or years or something that would have made your arrival that much um quicker or
1: more or more assured um I don't know that I can you know say the thing that would have saved me time because I went from finding writers of the future on Google to winning the contest in 18 months. So I attribute my, uh, f- rapid learning, uh, and, uh, progressing through, uh, my story writing to the, uh, the forum there and uh, wolf moon has his super secrets of writing there on the forum. And I, I studied those, those, uh, Did you do the Writers of the Future workshop? I did the Writers of the Future workshop first. And so that provided me the the baseline that I thought I knew how to write because I could string words together into a sentence. And uh, that was my first introduction to actual craft. And so that provided the baseline that gave me an honorable mention on my first story. And then after that, I found Moon Super Secrets, which was like the accelerated course that built on that baseline. Right. And so, um, for me, it was finding those resources that are there available from writers of the future that shortened my timeline so that I wasn't taking the average seven, 10 or 12 years, um, <laughs> that, uh, other people can take. Like, I mean, moon, it took him 25 years before he won the contest. So,
0: yeah, his was a very emotional acceptance speech. Yes.
1: Yes.
4: Absolutely.
0: Okay, yourself, Sam.
4: Yeah, I'd echo what David said. I'd also say, so something I learned was that all of us in some ways have our own timelines on the journey. All of us have different development paths, different ways of writing. I know I've spoken to some of the amazing authors here today that their career took years to take off sometimes, and now they perhaps might be multiple Nebula award winners – so, if I could go back and talk to myself, say three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, I know that I had a lot of worry then that I was not very good at writing, that I shouldn't be carrying on. That there was no point. I think I'd say no, it's okay. Uh, it can take time, and just because. Oh, well, actually, something that you know David said there that it did it for him in eighteen months, which is incredibly impressive. But something that has been highlighted to all of this week, this week, which I admit it's easy to say, harder to, is the lesson, don't compare yourself to other writers. Absolutely. You are on your own journey. Yep. Um, and that was something that all the pro writers said and said they're really important for them, and they still had to remind themselves of that sometimes. Second thing I think, actually, was that I did do the online workshop once, first time. That was fab. Then we went through it again as preparation for this, and that time I found I really took things from it. So what I'd actually say is if you've done the online workshop, fantastic. I would recommend doing it again just to really harness those those teachings because often I find with writing, at least for me, it's stuff that I I know in some way, but I often need reminding constantly because the lessons are in some ways so deep and writing is so complex. Thank you. That's great. Spencer. So...
2: Again, I, I'm echoing a lot of what my, my comrades here <laughs> ditto, are saying. Ditto, ditto, ditto. ditto. I, could just, yeah. I could just say that and be done. But you know, first, I'll say a few things that, yes, that I agree about here. One, yeah, don't compare yourself to others because everyone has their own pattern of development. Um, two would be to use those resources that are available to you because they really accelerate the learning process. And I should probably do the course again, the online course. That's going to add that to my study list, frankly, because you can never go wrong with reiterating and and reviewing the essential basics i would say but for my journey here i would say if there's something i would change or tell myself in the past i don't know if i would really try to change everything because in many ways the journey itself was what was necessary to get where i am today right looking for shortcuts for example or looking for tricks or secrets there are some ways that help but to an extent you just got to buckle yourself in for the road, you know, and for however long it takes for you to develop, there are ways to develop better. You know, there are things you can learn, but for me, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that I'm happy with the progression that it's had. Yeah. But if I could tell myself a few things, it would be, yes, (laughs) don't compare myself to the hotshots that are, like Mr. Mr. Hankin's here with his 18 months. I wouldn't I wouldn't compare my, like, congratulations on that by the Thank way. You. But don't compare yourself to others because it's a creative art. It's creativity. And yeah. you don't want to use any bar, but who you were yesterday, maybe who you want to be tomorrow as your, as your measuring stick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but also just enter the contest every quarter. Like I only, I only, I, like there were some years where I only entered once that year and got a rejection. And then maybe I did it twice the next year and had some honorable mentions. So I strung it out. Um, and maybe submitted maybe a third of, of the amount of t- of the amount I could have. So that's something. Cause there's no downside to just sending whatever you have each quarter. It's a, right. bl- it's blind, it's blind, um, judge, it's not. blind judge. So no one knows it's like who's sending what, so you can send whatever you got and see what happens and learn from that. And that frequency can certainly increase your odds. I mean, if my winning story, I just, Basically, I took that own lesson to heart there. I was like, okay, I don't have anything to send this quarter. I don't know what to send. I don't have anything new or anything I think's good. So I'll just take this crappy
0: story I have and send it. And then it won. So <laughs> so uh, that's that's called black public relations. So <laughs> so <laughs> we don't accept crappy stories. So that's the self-effacing, the words of a self-effacing um brilliant author
1: I,
2: I agree i agree with that yes but that. that's the kind of ad, that's the kind of headspace i wasn't at the time but well,
1: so yeah, that self-doubt is is very real it is right? it don't is. self-reject either
2: true but but in that point you know just because you feel like you don't have something good don't hold back from just giving it a shot and just sending something every quarter every quarter because you never know
0: right
3: right and yeah. yourself tj Well, what would have saved me time, (laughs) the time guy, uh, number one would be knowing my style, my personal style, and what what it takes for me to get the best out of me. And so this particular story, I wrote this story while I was writing my novels and reading several books simultaneously, and then I would go downstairs to our library, and I would crack open a couple other books, and I would read the first page just to see what was going on. So it, it was the saturation that worked for me, and is most likely what my style is. I have to be completely submerged in reading and writing. And so that's when I started this story, the rewrite, complete rewrite of it, and, and that's what worked. Uh, so I would say to folks, find your style through writing and reading
0: and writing. Awesome. So on, um, why should somebody enter
1: writers of the future i think the question would be why shouldn't they enter writers of the future um the you know as we've been talking about the all the benefits that it has and the you can't win unless you're in and so if you you should enter writers of the future in order to um continue progressing you know uh, getting that validation of that first honorable mention was huge because I'd gone for a couple of years of writing novels that went absolutely nowhere, and I thought I I can't do this obviously because I'm not even getting rejections; I'm just getting ignored by agents. Uh, and so, yeah, that um, submitting and you know being able to get that validation, or even if it's a uh, rejection with comments, getting that uh, list of hey. These are the things that we find common to stories, and you know that for a fact, whatever you got rejected for is one of those things, so you can take it, and you can study, and you can improve, and so I think, yeah, it's just, it's a, a fantastic opportunity. Okay, Sam. Well,
4: I'd echo what David said, <laughs> which is getting <laughs> to be quite common here, but um... Yeah, I think there's a huge number of reasons to submit. First of all, this contest is incredibly generous and I think sometimes we can look at it and think, well, that looks a little bit too good to be true. And being here, it genuinely is true. It is really good. I think also... Another question here, though, is first of all, I think it's really good to submit as often as you can, depending on what your writing style and process is like, not only because you'll increase your chances of winning, but as I mentioned before, you'll start building up a bank of stories, which if they're not going to Writers of the Future, would go somewhere else. I also think it can be useful, and this was something that really helped me, was a mindset. Initially, when I was entering Writers of the Future, it was very much this Submission and and winning or getting published is an indication of whether I should be an author or not. And I think it was when I re- changed from from that to a view of submissions as part of the process, where I was on a long and fun journey of developing as a writer, that helped. So instead, I, I moved from a mindset of I need to submit and and win to actually what I want to do is collect a hundred rejections. That was my goal.
1: 2021
4: (laughs) and focus instead of focusing on how many got published just focus on trying to learn trying to improve and have fun writing and submitting as best i could yes writing should be fun absolutely okay so why should you submit to
2: the writers of the future contest well i'll first say i I concur with everything (laughs) everyone here said (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, I, I totally have some disagreements. No, I, I, I agree with what they, they said before there, right? Um, it's, from my opinion, in my opinion, it's great to have that sense of regularity, right? Where you're, you're, you're sending something every, every quarter, right? You have that deadline, which is sometimes good to have is say, okay, at the very least, I have to write, I get to write one story every few months and send that to the contest. Right. And that creates at least something regular that, you know, I'm going to be consistently creating something consistently submitting something and then learning from that and then keeping it going. Cause that's what writing really is, is is you're creating and you're sending it out and you're revising and doing more and it's this big loop. So I'd say that's a good reason to submit to this contest because it helps you instill that, that kind of cycle, right? That, um, that system you might develop when you're submitting to publishers or magazines, that, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, right? So it gets you used to that. And it also serves as a great way just to be regular, you know, because there's no downside to the contest because you, you submit it, it's blind judged. And even if it's the same story you're sending every quarter, you can keep sending something, you revise it, send it back again, no harm done, you know? So there's very little downside. I don't see any downside to it. And again, you never know what might come of it either. You know, your story, it might be much better than you think it is. And even if it isn't a winning story, you can track over time your progress from going from maybe some rejections or mentions to silver. And you can see over time and look back on it. Hey, I'm getting better. You know, so you can, you can see that progress. And you'll notice it too in your writing. Right. When you consistently submit and consistently go through that, that cycle every time. And as these gentlemen were saying, the stories you write for the contest, you can send elsewhere. You know, you can send it to all sorts of pro or semi-pro or whatever market you want. You just build up this big library of stories you've written. And just because they didn't win doesn't mean they're bad stories, right? It's very competitive. So there's, you can send them other places and see what happens there too, right? But the bottom line is, is like these people said, it's fun. You know, it's fun creating. And I think that's why that's, for me, that's the reason I do create is because it's fun. It's meaningful. It's fun. It's part of my identity, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm writing always, no matter what anyway. So if I'm going to be always writing, well, I may as well be doing something with what I'm writing too. So, and my hope for the people that are listening, right? If you just have fun writing stories and creating things and why not share them? And this contest is a great way to do that.
3: Good. All right, TJ, you're on. Okay, here we are. Uh, why should someone enter... This past week is certainly the biggest <laughs> reason I could think of. <laughs> mm. yep. it, and it's it's <laughs> in, it's impossible to know what it's like and, until you're here. Now I've had loads of friends win and come here and then they go radio silent for an entire week. And I say, What's going on? I wanna know everything. Tell me everything. But it's so immersive and it's so it's just it's fun and it's hard work, but you, you used you had hard work getting here with your writing. So it's this is the, the biggest reason is definitely this, this week. And uh, a community, for me, is what I have found over the years. Again, it's years, but through the forum and writers can be an introverted bunch. And in general, to improve our own writing, we need feedback. We need to get uh, critiques on our stories. So you have to get out of your shell just enough to contact at least one person to get a critique. And then you say, all right, well, I'll critique your story. And then next thing you know, you may have a friend. And if you go to the forums, you'll find lots of people to share stories with. And then you'll have lots of friends. And in this age, I think we can have meaningful friendships. Uh, Certainly, I have many meaningful friendships with people that I have never met, that I've only met online or communicated with by email or on the phone. And That, to me, is definitely one of the biggest reasons to enter is because I I found a wonderful social life through the contest of other people who are trying to win the contest.
0: That's a great answer. So now, um, one thing I didn't ask you, Sam, um, is are you familiar with any of the Hubbard stories?
4: Yes. So, obviously, the um, Unwilling hero story that was in our anthology, but... Something else that we read that I really enjoyed was Fear. Now, I admit, I'm not really a horror fan. And Stephen King called Fear, I think he said one of the real classics. Yeah, Yeah, the real true classics of horror, um, which is for him, I think was a rare thing. Now, I went in a little bit trepidatious because I was like, "Oh, I don't really like horror. Is this going to scare me? And it was spooky, certainly. But what I think was masterful about it is that it was, a, for me, I think, I almost was looking at it and seeing the, how he built it and just really admiring the slow descent through it. And I think reading Fear was a great point for me because as well as that and actually reading Hubbard's essays and seeing how clear his voice was, I was like, oh, okay, this man actually really knows what he's talking about, about writing. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, so I've read, uh, I read those two stories, John, and quite a few of his essays.
0: Great. So is there, and I'll just open it up so you can answer however on this thing, um, any particular essay that stands out more than others for you? like this. Realizing this stuff was written in the 30s and 40s, And even the judges will say, "It still works. Still works." So, um, any
1: particular essay or essays that stands out for you? Like yes, Uh, for me, it was actually the one that's the one that's in this volume, circulate, uh, which is a. He talks about Jack London yeah. you know, going down to the... Uh, the wharf. The wharf and you know, just going in and talking to salty old sailors. And that is what would get his creative juices going again to write his next story. Um, I've traveled extensively in um, my life. And I've really... Um, it, oftentimes when I come back home, I feel like, oh, well, there's nothing really here to write about. But then, you know, when I'm gone for a long time and then I come back again, I, then I see it with new eyes. And so being able to uh, see something with new eyes, you know, talking to other people and seeing it through their eyes um, and just that concept of getting around and talking to people and don't just, not just being in your little cave writing on your little computer, then, yeah, that Circulate really resonated with me on that. Great. Anybody else have an essay?
3: Yeah, I'd love to offer that these, the essay, Art. And so as a writer, I, I admit I skipped that one for a long time because it was about art. And yet, as writers, we are painting pictures. We're only, it's right. only we're doing it with the 26 letters that in the English language that we're given. And so when I finally did read that one, it blew my mind because like he's still talking to me he's talking i'm a writer and he's talking to me so if you're a writer and you haven't read that one and i'm assuming it's in an online, online workshop yes. yeah oh the online workshop right right of course so find that essay and read that essay as a writer and you'll be glad you did thank you i
2: mean for me i will say yes the the art one really resonated with me as well and i see <laughs> i see um I, I, I see sam nodding as well so he agrees on that too uh, but Two of them I, I particularly like, and it's because they're very, very, pra- very, practical essays as well on the craft of writing. Uh, one of them, he writes is on suspense, you know, and he uses a lot of excellent examples in his actual um, articles on writing. Like he'll go through a passage that's lacking suspense, and then he'll show you a retooled one where the suspense is injected in, and it's on fire, you know. And I found his again very clear language, um, very clear style, and his skill at teaching, right? And yeah. through the written word here, through just just written, right? But he's still like, he's there teaching you, right? Mm-hmm. So he's a very good teacher and at these basic tools that you use in writing, like suspense. The other one I liked especially was just the, called what a story is. And that just breaks down just the basic elements of a story, right? And I get that there's no one perfect way to craft a story and you can maybe shift things around a bit, right? but knowing just the basic, you know... The basic bones, the basic structure of a of a story that works is such a useful tool to have, because if you don't know that, then you know you can, you know, unless you know what you, I'd I, I, I'd I'd akin it I'd I'd liken it to say, you know, you do surgery on someone, right? You're not going to do surgery on on the human body without understanding how it works, what goes where, where you should put a, a, an incision or what, right? So you wouldn't do that unless you first understood how things work. Ideally,
0: yeah, it definitely worked didn't work in the earlier years when someone had. Whatever it is. Okay, let's bleed them. Let's get, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Oh, it didn't work. Not. Oh, well. So, so I, I and, and kind of the same way
2: with with, with storytelling, right? Like having an idea of, of the basic structure of a story and what really works well, if you have that as a, as a great foundation, then you can start playing around with things and start, you know, breaking some of the rules. But it's hard to, you can't really break the rules well unless you know what the rules are at first, right? So I find that essay was very, essay was very nice too. Great.
1: So, yeah. what I took from that is I need to write like a surgeon. Got
2: it. No, no, there's, 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 I, don't I, I wouldn't, I haven't, I, I can't cut that, cut that out. Cut that out. <laughs> uh-huh. any, any surgeons listening to this can, can comment on that. Yeah.
4: So, for me, John, well, I mean, we're starting to get into a bit of a theme here, aren't we? I concur with the others. There were some great essays and what's cool about this is the, all these essays are free on the Writers of Futures online course. So if, if anyone's reading this thinking this resonates, would like to know more, you can go and check it out. And as I had found, it's useful to read it not only once, two times, three times, make notes, think about it, go and read it again, because these lessons are quite deep. And they're ones that I've actually found echoed by other writers in their own advice, bearing in mind that Aaron Hubbard was writing these before them. I'm not saying that he thought of it first, but certainly he was early as a great thinker in this area. So one of the essays that I really liked that hasn't been mentioned is um, Steps in the Right Direction, which is quite an overview, particularly of of writing in general. I'm just going to read a quote that I think sums it up really well. So L. Ron Hubbard is being interviewed and he has this answer about the secrets of writing success. So he says, sadly, there's no secrets. I believe the writer must be in debt to life, that his plots must come from curiosity of his own making, and that the most important thing in writing a story is to write the story. And I think that comes in to some points that i found, and often in writing, I used to get frustrated because advice writers gave, and artists in general gave, is often quite slippery and vague. So thinking, what does it mean a writer must be in debt to life? I think that goes back to what David was talking about, circulating and grabbing and and sort of grabbing the opportunities available to you, first of all, and looking at them in different ways. And that's something that I think, as a writer, I used to think I just wanted to tap away my keys in my room and not talk to anybody. That was what I thought writing would enable me to do as a living. And I later found out that that actually wasn't what I wanted to do at all. So being in debt to life, it is in some ways, it sounds quite broad, but it's actually being open to all that life has to offer us in many ways, making the most of our relationships, being curious and thinking about the world around us. So that's two things, being in debt to life, curiosity. And then finally, the key thing, which is often hard for a lot of us writers, is that we do actually have to write, damn it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's been awesome. I really appreciate this time that I've had with you all. As I knew it happened, our hour has come and gone. But this is going to be a really good podcast. I know that a lot of aspiring writers, since I've got four writers right here, are going to really enjoy listening to your advice, what you've gone through yourself, you know, recommendations of what to do, and the advice. You know, you got to enter, and I'll give my fifth wheel on this one here. Um, actually, not fifth wheel because that's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> but uh, as a fifth person here, uh, chipping in on this, um, you can't win if you don't enter. You can't get an honorable mention. You can't get any type of recognition or solace that maybe you do have something going because you're getting nothing but support from this contest. Absolutely. You know, if any place you're gonna that you can be guaranteed that, it is the writers and illustrators of the future contest because that carries forward from the original mantra as set by Elwin Hubbard back in 1983. So with that, thank you, gentlemen, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We've also been syndicated on the United Public Radio Network where you can find these podcasts as well. Writers of the Future series can be purchased wherever books are sold in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, and South Africa, and available everywhere via Amazon.com. We are especially appreciative of our sponsor, Carnation, for supporting this podcast. Carnation has been making delicious milk products for over a century and is still going strong. Writers and illustrators of the future are contests created by Elwin Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.